I've got a, just a timely encouragement. I want to preface my message before I start it. And um, we talk, I'm talking about life's challenges, life's challenges, obstacles that cause us to feel overwhelmed and, and, you know, the headache and the sadness and the despair that comes with that. And, and, and during those life challenges uh, in our lives, it's vital, it's vital that we draw close to God because He will draw close to, to us. Amen. I'm speaking to someone this morning who's in the house, who's going through a bunch of stuff. Although you face troubles, remember that God, our heavenly, all-knowing Father, who loves us immensely, He knows what you're going to go through. He knows what you're going to go through. He knew that before the foundation of the earth. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That unpleasant, life-changing experience you face might have been a shock to you, but God knew about that before He created you. And He already set up an internal encouragement system. Can someone guess what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit. Thank you. It's within you to assist you during these difficult times. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Despite the setbacks, the detours, the pit stops you've faced, remember that God has a purpose for you that will be fulfilled. If we're all being honest, trials are no fun. Who can say amen to that? They seem pointless, they seem depressing, and they seem to invite anxiety straight through the front door of our life. They even make us question things like, is God good? Does God still love me? Does God truly have a specific plan for my life? And I think the first thing, I think the first thing we should address is this. Yes, He is still good. He still loves you. And He still has a specific plan for your life. Can you say amen to that? So here's the thing. God's faithfulness doesn't change. Is anyone getting excited at the moment? It's just a matter of how you respond. Too many times we accuse God of not being faithful when the real issue is that we respond out of emotion instead of commitment. Ooh, that got someone. Sorry. We respond out of emotion instead of commitment. Is And I want to challenge you. Is your relationship with God a commitment or an emotional high? Are you committed to following God no matter what happens in your journey? Just as Christ was committed to you to go to the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Or is your spiritual life dependent on the highs that you get off your spiritual maybe worship or your favorite songs? And thank you, uh, I must say, thank you for, the, for Julie introducing me to the band. I'll give you the heads up on a great band. Rivers and Robots. Take that and buy that. any of those albums. Who, who put you on that? Rachel, thank you so much for introducing me to the band that I do get a spiritual high off. But my commitment is in God. Amen? Is your response to the trials you face going to be a response that stems from emotion or commitment? Challenge to you today, before I allow you to sit down, commit to God. Make the decision right now that you are committing your life to Christ regardless of what situation 
that you may go through even the valleys and the mountains that you go through, make a decision to commit to Him today and not be dependent on your circumstance. Don't be fair weather friends with God. God never promises that we will live trial free. He does promise to be with us and never forsake us and never leave us through the trials. Amen? 2 Timothy 4, 7 Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In other words, I am committed to you, God. Our prayer today is this. Just close your eyes for a moment. God, thank you for never forsaking me. I commit to you. I commit to the plans, the purposes, the assignment on my life and the path that must be taken to see those plans come to pass. I know it won't always be easy, but I know it will be worth it regardless of the trial, regardless of the season. I commit to faithfully following you, Jesus. And the saints say, and the saints say, and the saints say, amen. Give him a hand clap. Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Awesome. My message today is entitled, you may take a seat, The Road to Perfect and Complete. Can you just say that, perfect and complete? Can we say hi to the podcast listeners? We have a lot of podcast listeners that... John uh, Napier, we thank you. You're in the house this morning. John, thank you so much. <laughs> you, have, you are getting our messages up <laughs> in the same day that we preach them. Well done. Give him a hand clap. And um, thank you so much. And thank you, Pauline, for 10 years doing that same job. Thank you, Steve, for doing it for uh, Steve Coopers. Is he in the house? I'm not sure. But this message is called Road to Perfect Complete. I want to focus on a scripture. Can we say hi again to the visitors? Hey, let's say, say hi to Tamworth at the back there. God bless you, Tamworth. Awesome, fantastic story how we ended up at your front door. Anyway, I can't even go there. I haven't got enough time. But Tamworth is in the house because just God, he's amazing. I might be able to tease it out through the preach how he does that. Here's the scripture, James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials. Can you imagine that? There's unsaved people in the house right now going, these guys are crazy. Consider it pure joy to go through trials. No, these guys are nuts. Sorry, guys. You're just going to have to bear with us until you, until you get it, until you see the bigger picture. All right, let's back it up again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. I'll just have my water too because... Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'm going to explain that, that statement because it's a, it's, a, it's a hairy one and it wouldn't make sense if you didn't understand our God and very paradoxical God. Uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Got a great message. Did I tell you I've got a great message to preach this morning? So I just get really, yeah. Anyway, mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we're running into some problematic words. Um, if your Bible says um, perfect, what I, mean, what I mean to say is mature. So if your version says 
perfect, no, we're not perfect, Christ is perfect, and we'll never be perfect and we go to heaven. When it says perfect, it means mature. So what I want to look at today is how God seeks to bring us to maturity by building patience into our lives. Who thinks they're patient? Show of hands. Who thinks they're patient? It's, it's one thing I've learned in life that God is not a hurry in hurry. Cam, you didn't put your hand up, man. I didn't, didn't see that hand, buddy. <laughs> yes, you're honest. That's right. If there's one thing I've learned in my life in the Christian walk is that God is not in a hurry. Who's learned that? Now, we need to explain what is patience. Patience. Patience is the long-lasting quality of your faith. If you let go of your patience, your faith falls to the floor. If I'd lost patience in some of the matters that I've dealt with in life, and, um, you know, if I stopped believing for healing, if I'd stopped believing for this land, this building, this church, ah, my faith would have fallen to the floor. The end result God is looking for is that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I'm talking about spiritual growth. The word perfect here means mature. Say mature. God is developing maturity in us by working on our patience. If there's one thing prophetically I can say to you this morning, God is quick trekking you. Quick trekking is like when I doubled up on my studies in adult learning and I was going to Arimba TAFE and I was going to Newcastle TAFE and I was doubling up to try and squash all these studies in. I believe he's doing that now to you. That's why we're seeing some deliverance on the altar. He hasn't got time for you to do another year, two years with that stuff. If you end up on this altar, you'll get some inner healing, some soul surgery maybe. You'll trade in your sorrows, trade in your ashes for beauty. If you've got any ashes, stuff that's left over from what the enemy sizzled and burnt and ruined and wrecked, bring it out onto the altar, including your heart, including your life, including your emotions. If you feel like you've been, you know, betrayed, hurt, unfairly dealt with, always come to the altar and trade that stuff in. Yeah. Say, God, I've got some stuff. I've got, man, I'm really angry. You know, but you said repent. I'm going to get back a bit there. Bring it to the altar. And you know what, supernaturally, you know, this is just, you know, forgiveness. People think that, oh, it's the good, goody two-shoes thing to do. No, it's not goody two-shoes. It's like a spirit. The Bible says, if you forgive them, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says, Paul says in his scriptures, says, if, if you forgive them, they shall be forgiven so that you can be forgiven so that we can outwit Satan's plans. That sounds like a game plan right there. Who's interested in that sort of game plan? Rules of engagement. Forgive. So that they can be forgiven. So that you can be forgiven. Well, I thought it was all about them. No, it's all about you too. So that, so that we can outwit Satan's plans. Good. I don't want to be mucked around by Satan. Deal with it, God. Deal with it. Ooh, that was a bonus right there. I have a dear friend, great church, endeavored to build a building on his property, ended up, being, <laughs> it ended up being a major undertaking. In fact, it turned out to be the most difficult thing in his whole life. In fact, it nearly broke him. Talking about a man of God who had a property, was building a church. Eventually, it got built. But you know what my friend says about that? <laughs> he says, you see that building... I didn't build that church. It built me. <laughs> I didn't build that church. 
It built me through faith. Tim, what are you doing? You're all over the place this morning. You were there. Now you're there. Okay. So going through those trials, facing those difficulties, having your faith tested, having to trust God, what it seemed like there was a lack of finances, having to hold on to God's word when people were laughing at you, All that stuff builds character. I have a question for you. Has anything been building you? If so, rejoice. Because God is working maturity into you. Consider it pure joy. It will all work out. Let's say, can we say it together? It will all work out. So over the 30 years of my Christian life, I should back it up. I'll give you the scripture. Ephesians 1 verse 11. It might help us. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So he's trying to get his will through you. He's working all this stuff that happens around you. He's working that out. Sovereign God that allows this stuff to happen, good and bad. That's where people have a problem. Why why do you let bad stuff happen? Because the places in conflict of people who have their self-will, their will to do their own thing, and usually it's about doing a selfish lifestyle that that, that ends up being sinful, and then you've got good people trying to do the right thing. So there's a big conflict on the planet. But the Bible says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose, say purpose, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Who's interested in his will? His will being done as it is in heaven. So over the 30 years of my Christian life plus, I have come to a great confidence. Isn't it great to see kids swirling around? I have come to the confidence of knowing that God's ability is tremendous and supernatural to work things out. No matter matter what you're going through, no matter how obscured your understanding of the situation is, I believe God is always working things out according to his sovereignty. Can you say sovereignty? sovereignty? Nothing happens without him letting it happen. It's as if there is a giant tapestry. I need my tapestry. I need that. I know it. I, can, can I have, two, not you, Josh, because I want you to, to do your handiwork. Can I have Angela and Dave? Can I have you hold up this magnificent, is Pat here this morning? Pat, pardon? Up high, that's right, right there. I want you to hold the corners and extend that while I say some precious stuff. That was given to Julie for a birthday present last week by Pat Richards. Is Pat? It was made by Pat Richards. I'm treating it like a tapestry. It's a patchwork, I know. But I'm treating it like a... It's as if there's a giant tapestry that God is weaving. And my life is part of it. I sometimes get caught up with the temporal things and the stuff that is happening, but God reminds me, hey, nothing is taking me by.
by surprise. This is God saying, hey, chill. Nothing is taking me by surprise. I'm weaving all these things into this great pattern. Your mistakes, your stuff that happens to you, it's all going into this wonderful arrangement, projecting an image collectively through the experiences, through all the situations and the circumstances of life. See, these bits of material, they're from all sorts of places. Pat goes here and goes there. I've seen her scurrying around Westfields. And I say, Pat, Pat, I was going to say hi, but she's on a mission to buy more material. And she said, she said to us, turn it around, guys, if you could. She said, there's a mistake. There's a mistake in the little patch here where I think she said a hand was shaking. And she was stitching Julie's. It says, made with love for Pastor Julie. Happy 60th. Ham was shaken. It looks fine to me, but she seems to think that's an imperfection, some sort of, but that's our life. Amen. God bless you guys. That's our life, guys. It's a tapestry. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing actually occurs to God? It doesn't occur to God. The thing you're embroiled in, the stuff that you're going through, God is not taken by surprise. He doesn't look down and say, oh my goodness, I didn't think that was going to happen. Gabriel, what are we going to do about that? Quick, look what they've got themselves into. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what you're going to go through. He knows what's going to happen to you. And he's just peering from eternity and he's looking down into this dispensation of time and he sees your life. He knows what you're going to do. He knows how you're going to respond. Nothing takes him. Things don't occur to him. Things don't take him by surprise. Is that a fascinating thought? I know that sometimes in our microscopic view of things, isn't it amazing when you get your camera and you you just sort of, but then that's only part of the picture. But then you open up the lens and all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, the wide view. When Pat was stitching that tapestry, patch by patch, she couldn't maybe see the whole thing, but she probably did with her imagination. But she was stitching. God's putting you together. Little parts of you and components of your life are being put together as a tapestry on display for God. Even the mistakes, the stuff that you go through. Is this for someone this morning? Whatever your situation, you can rest assured that God has plans to work things out. Can you say an amen to that? God is working all things together through the counsel of his will. So relax. He's got you. He's got you. He's far ahead of you. And he's got provision ahead of you. In him, we're all chosen, having been predestined according to that plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Say remnant. Say remnant. Does anyone know what remnant means? It's what you got left over after the place has been 
captured by the enemy and you've got these people sometimes like the French resistance. They're, they're not going to be subdued by, by the enemy. They're, they're, they're scurrying around at night blowing up the train tracks and the, all the infrastructure. Amen. Would that be you, Rachel? Would you do that? Black, got a black in your face. Sorry about that. The makeup's not real great in this, in this business of, of, of uh, French resistance. But, but I could see Cam Harvey doing that. He's just scurrying out. Back to his six kids. Well, where you been all night? Forget it. It's all right. God has cast away his people. Oh, five. Was that a prophecy? Was that six children? Oh, let's not go there. All right, I need to back it up. Remnant is what you, what, I'll explain it. All right, move on. Romans 11, 2, 5. Sorry, Cam. Sorry. Yes, I know you confess things in confidence, but it just comes out. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah, now he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down the altars, and I alone am left and seek my, and they seek my life. Some people feel like that. But what does... Some people at work feel like this. You know, the boss is on their case, and they're just, oh, my God. What, you know? But what does this divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself, this is God's response, to, to Elijah who's on the run and he's feeling pitiful about himself. He's depressed. He's got the, the spirit of, of Jezebel after him. He's got this queen Jezebel who is murderous and she's saying, I'm going to kill that guy. If I see him anywhere, I'm going to kill him. And she goes, whoa. And he goes running away. And if you know the story, and he's, he finds himself under a tree and he's complaining and he feels downhearted, and he feels, woe is me, hardly done by. Uh, you know, he just feels like those spirits, woe is me, hardly done by, are attacking him. And he feels, oh. But what does God say? God says, Lord, you have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. They've torn down yours. I, only I am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Elijah, he was tired physically, spiritually, mentally. He was exhausted. And he'd come to this place of the wilderness and he was found under a tree by the angel and he's crying out saying, Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Who's ever felt like that? Who's ever had a real pity party? I'm having a pity party. Woe is me. Come on in, woe is me. Hardly done by it there. Come on in. How many sugars you want in your tea? Two sugars. Come on in. We're having a great party. Woe is me. Hardly done by it. God is saying, God is saying, but God says, wait a minute, son. Wait a minute, Elijah. I have 7,000 more who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. God is saying, I have a remnant. This is what I'm saying to this church. This is what I'm saying to the church at large. There is a remnant that will not bow their knee to the spirit of the age, to the spirit of, of the, 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 the backsliding spirit, the Jezebel spirit. They will continue to stand up against all the forces of the enemy, against all the influences that oppose us, and they will continue to come to church, give of themselves to the Lord, and be that expression of God that he wants them to be. 
even Netflix as it comes into our homes and it's just, oh, now, now we've got Netflix contending, pumping in, like, like pumping in with this. <laughs> and we go, man, wow, Hollywood's got a lot to offer, hasn't it? I didn't realize there was some, keep pouring it in, Jack, they want more, pour it in. <laughs> You're sitting there in your chair going, I've got a real thing about Netflix at the moment because I know it can be, it, it, people are binging, they're binging now. Now you can claim on your insurance, your health insurance. I'm just, just telling you, giving you the heads up. If you get a cramp in your neck, your back, go, oh, I can't go to work this morning. What, what happened? Well, you just laid down for eight hours watching Blacklist or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it, you go to your doctor, you say, well, what, what happened? What did you do? What strenuous? Did you move? Yeah, I don't know. But the only thing I, the, the only thing... <laughs> Trust me to put myself into blacklist. <laughs> Guns are going. The only thing I did unusual was watch Netflix for eight hours. Yeah, that'll do it. So could you hear God when that was happening? Probably not. Could you, could you relate to God? Could you create the atmosphere in your home that you really needed? Probably not. Did you have some downtime during that night? where you could reconcile your life to God? It'd be like ignoring your wife all day, isn't it? Just being on the phone. Go, yeah, she's there. That's good. Yeah, she's there. Sports on the phone. Yeah, she's there. Great. She'll always be there. Doesn't quite work for a healthy marriage, that, does it, Tim? You've got to put the phone down. You've got to turn the sports off. you actually got to approach the throne of grace, your wife. <laughs> humble yourself be a lay down worshipper of, of her give her a shoulder up get her a cup of tea let her know that you're present present sorry that was another bonus I'm being cheeky now God is saying, I have a remnant. And then Paul brings it into the present day and he says, just like God has a remnant then in the Old Testament, and we could tell a lot of stories about the remnant that was left after the cities were marauded and and taken captive, there was always a people that would say, we're going to stand for our culture. We're going to stand for our people, our generations. We're going to stand for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to stand for those spiritual leaders that were in our past. We're going to stand for Billy Graham because he was such a man of God and preached the word of God. We're going to stand. So this guy goes to Bible college against all the odds of modern society. A young man at 21 puts himself through four years of Morling College. He's the remnant. He's the remnant. He's not doing what I did. Go to the Gold Coast, live up there for a year, surfing Greenmount Beach and for a year in 1977, a long time ago. But a remnant is a small group that has remained. That is where the word remnant comes from. It comes from the root to remain. God always has a remnant. A remnant that remains faithful, committed, on course, and obedient to God. Who can say amen to that? that does not get discouraged, quit or give up because of life's 
many turns. Isaiah 10, 20 says that God's remnant will rely on God. Can you just say that for me? Will rely on God. Life has so many setbacks, unexpected turns. Many people give up because of those things and they short-circuit the will of God in their life. Amen? They get sideswiped, detoured, derailed, betrayed, what, choose what you want. Rachel deals with young youth as a psychologist who get derailed from their purpose in life at a young age and Rachel does, deals with that. But God can break through. God can, he's faithful to break through. God blesses all his children, but those who stay the course are rewarded for their faithfulness. So can I say to you, stay on track, hold the course, tie me to the mask, uh, sailing terms, if you have to, remain faithful, be a part of the remnant. Put your hand up if you're the remnant. Now, say not there yet. Are we there yet? I used to say in the back of the HR station wagon in 1967, 68, driving from the western suburbs to Cronulla Beach, and Heathcote Road was like the, uh, the desert. It, it seemed to me like it went eight hours. I almost feared that Heathcote Road from Liverpool. Heathcote Road had desert on either side, and in the back of the the, the station wagon that its exhaust fumes were not environmentally correct, for a young boy of eight or nine, you were very keen to get out of that station wagon to the dream of after months living in suburbia, of not seeing the beach, and finally coming over the crest of the road. We're peering, the kids. I'm the eldest. I've got some youngers younger ones, two brothers and, and, and a sister, and, and we're all, we know this point in the road. I'm not sure where it was, Caring Bar or somewhere, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, this is it. This is this mirage that appears over the crest. And as soon as we, oh, the, heart, the, the, the car silences, the chaos of kids fighting. We come over the crest and The ocean, the ocean, yes, Jesus, life is good for a suburban boy. It was one of the great epiphanies of life, wasn't it? Can anyone sympathize with that story? Or all of you born near the beach something, or what? Not there yet. Paul, Philippians 3, 12, I've got to hurry, uh, 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, I'll make a couple of points, I'm done. Paul gives us the important insight into becoming complete or mature in Christ. Not that I've already attained or, or am already perfected or complete, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself. This is Paul saying, Although he's marvelously, gloriously saved, he's saying in the scripture, I do not count myself to have apprehended, 
But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. All believers must realize you're not there yet. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep studying. I'm watching more God TV than, than ever. I've I'm just so hungry for the word and prophetically what's happening on the planet is so interesting. I'm just feeding on the word of God all the time. I'm just just hungering after what God is saying and doing. We're not there yet. We haven't arrived. Say, I haven't arrived yet. We gotta still press on, guys. You gotta continue to grow. You gotta keep studying the word. You gotta keep growing. Do your devotions, turning up at church. It's like the true story of a young neighbor who was asking Albert Einstein at a dinner party. She asked, what is exactly that you do as a profession? Einstein looked at her and said, I've devoted myself to the study of physics. And in shock, she replied, studying physics at your age? I finished my studies years ago. Unfortunately, this is the attitude of Christians. Oh, I got saved ages ago. Yeah, no, I'm sweet. I'm going to heaven. It's all good, man. Spiritual growth, what's that? They think they're finished. Instead, our attitude should be like the 95-year-old Pablo Cassells, considered to be the greatest celloist that the world has ever known. A young reporter asked him one day, you're 95. The world considers you to be the greatest celloist. And still, at 95... You practice six hours a day? Hello, why? To which you responded, because I think I'm improving. <laughs> What's your excuse? <laughs> Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which why he took hold of me. If he took hold of you, for a reason, for a God reason, the Bible Paul is saying, you do well if he's chosen you to understand why he's chosen you to get with the program, with the spiritual growth program and ascertain what God's will is for your life, your purpose and your destiny. Work that out. You're not here just by a biological accident. You're here, you're a creation of God made in his image, intellectually, creatively gifted, to pull off miracles, to create stuff, to do stuff, to re-architect, through architecture, spiritual architecture, pray and, 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 and with influence, create good stuff in society. Are we there yet? No. Father, we set our goal for you. Lord, we want to mature in you. Prayers and preaching. Say it. Prayers and preaching. How do we do it? Prayers and preaching. How do we spiritually grow? Prayers and preaching. I'll prove it. We talked about how spiritual growth happens, but I'll say this. It's a process. It's a process. There are two things. First is found in Colossians 4.12. Epirus, who is one of you, the Bible says, this is Colossians 4.12, a bondservant of Christ greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer. Stand up, Pastor Julie. Julie, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers 
that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Hand clap for you, Pastor Julie. Thank you. More praise for you. If you're going to be complete and mature in Christ, you need the prayers of others. You need the prayers of others. That's all I want to say about that. The second is this. Colossians 1.27. I'm nearly there. Christ in you. Can we hand the communion around, please? God bless. The second is found in Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of your glory. Him we preach. Can you say that for me? Him we preach. Who am I preaching about? I know I've got some, I know I've got some Thai people in the house, and and the, you know they they have other spiritual contexts. Can can I just say to the Thai people? Can I can I say to the Thai people? I am preaching Christ Jesus, the cross, died on a cross two thousand years ago, Son of God, He is God, and He paid a price to rid us of our shame, our sin, so that we may come freely to God the Father who loves us as his children. There's the gospel right there. Was that, was that, was that good? Was that good? So prayers but preaching. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect to Christ. So in addition to the prayers, we have preaching and teaching to become complete in Christ. I'll state this, preaching promotes change while teaching promotes growth. I'll say it again, preaching promotes change while teaching promotes growth and you need them both. Looking back on my Christian life, I can still remember sermons that I heard way back that have shaped my life changed my life that I've still lived off. It shaped me, changed me, made me into the man that I am in today. Who can say amen to the messages that you heard right back at the start, amen? So to become mature in your faith, make sure you're under solid biblical teaching. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm not doing a throwaway. I've got one opportunity to reveal Christ to you and I'm really serving you up something very intentional from my heart through prayer and I've come up with this message that I hope will shape you, change you and introduce you to Jesus. Amen. <sighs> to him who has chosen teaching. Did I mention that? Colossians 1.27. Say this for me. Richer blessings. Say it. Richer blessings. Jeremiah 23 verse 3 and 4 says, but it will gather the remnant but oh, I'd love this can, can you communion's been handed out can you just listen to me right now this is my last point my last point thank you for your, for your patience say richer blessing say richer blessing say I want richer blessing in my soul in my spirit in my family in my marriage in my business in my mind, my will, emotions, in my spiritual life, calling and purpose and my assignment that you have given me to live my life by and through. 
Jeremiah 23, verse 3 and 4. But I will gather the remnant. That's you. You haven't given up. You're in church this morning. You're in the house of God. Can you give the Lord a smile right now? Can you just give the Lord a smile? I'm in your house, Lord. I haven't given up. I got distracted. I got detoured. I got sideswiped. Bible says in Galatians, who cut in on you? You were running a good race. Some people are coming back to church after 30 years. One lady came last week. I don't know if she's here now. She hadn't been to church for 30 years. Who cut in on you? Cut in on you. You were running a good race. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to the folds, for they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them. Stand up, Pastor Julie, again. We're picking on you. And I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking. And I... And I say that to you, my precious wife, says the Lord. You can take a seat. God bless you. Jeremiah gives us these confirmations that we will have no fear. I'm looking at my wife again. They will lack nothing. Looking at my wife still. They will be fruitful. I'm looking at the the wife of my youth and they shall increase and I say that to each and every one of you I say that to you sir I say that to you beautiful woman I say that to you and your family we'll have no fear lack nothing we'll be fruitful and we'll increase are you interested in that? can I hear an acknowledge to be fruitful are you you want that? Say amen. Do you, do, you, do you want fruitfulness? Do you want to be afraid of nothing? God says that happens to the remnant. Those are the blessings that he has for us. I myself will gather that remnant. That's what he's doing. He wants to prosper us. Success means in, in the Hebrew... Success means this, that there is provision in the future of my path. Because God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what we'll do. And if we live right, if we lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge God in all our ways, He will make our path straight. We'll be on the straight way, the skinny way, the narrow path. And He will provide stuff for us in our future. Who wants that? That's what being a Christian is. Or you can say, I'm good. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need provision. I'll cut a way out for myself. Repent. Means top, so we go back to the top view, the higher perspective of life, which is in God, in Christ Jesus, the mind of Christ, and we say, Jesus, we look to you, and we say, God, thank you that you've given us provision, 
of salvation. I know you're holding the cup and the bread. You are the bread of life. You are our word, the living word. Your blood was shed for our sin. We hold these emblems. We hold these components of your life. You are the bread. You are the life through your blood. The life of salvation of eternity. The Bible says in John uh, chapter 6, verse 56. Can I have that please, Ellie? John 6, it says this. This is my last scripture. Whoever eats my flesh, this is where we're going to lose a lot of disciples, by, uh, by the way. In, in the scripture, it's, people can't handle this. They go, what? going to eat his flesh and drink his blood? We're out of here. No, there's spiritual connotations. His flesh and his blood. His flesh is the bread bread the the um the bread with the, the what was it the manna that was eaten in the old testament that gave them sustenance of life is now the bread called jesus amen let me say it like that the blood the, there's life in the blood that's why they made all those animal sacrifices in the old testament but now it's the sacrificial blood spilled by christ on the cross at calvary So what does it say? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I remain in you. There's a transaction. Before you take that, I want you to believe that you, as you take this communion, that you are going to receive a transaction. What does it say? Remains in me and I in you. Are you ready for a transaction? I'm not going to let you take this religiously. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did that, yeah. yeah smoking thing and Elizabethan language. I could do all that. But I want you to have an honest, an honest appraisal of you sitting in the house of God. This is none other than the house of God. How awesome is this house? When two or more are gathered, there you are. Close your eyes for a moment. I need to build up someone's imagination pulling down strongholds and mindsets, even religious mindsets that are thinking, I'm just going through a religious duty. No, you're not. You're partaking of Christ right now. Through the communion, the bread, the body that was broken for yours, the blood that was shed for you, there is a transaction, some say, that will cause healing to your body. Healing, Tim. So with faith in your heart, we take the bread now. Let's take that together. Mm. We thank you for the sacrifice, Lord, of your life, your body that was bruised, whipped, scourged. And now, Lord God, we hold the cup life that was in you now is symbolically in this cup we take this cup in remembrance of all that you are to us and I thank you Jesus that you are now listen I'm going to play you a song for two minutes just just, just pause there I'm going to play you a song for two minutes after we take this communion I want you to hear it in terms of your life that he's been with you for all your days. 
Would you give me two more minutes to listen to a song of a precious man of God who I believe is, is an, an amazing worship leader? And it's a very simple song. It goes for two minutes. Are we ready? Let's take that and let's take it together. If you need to close your eyes, I want you to hear this song. I dedicate this to my wife. Every time I think of all the things you brought me through, I have to thank you, Lord, for being so faithful and true. The only reason that I even could have made it through is you were there. Comfort me, you were there to ease my mind. When everyone forsook me, Lord, he stood right by my side. And all those long and sleepless nights, and every tear I cried, Lord, you were there. You were there. run from you but there was nowhere left to go and there was nothing left to do so I got down on my knees and when I cried out to you Lord you were there you were there you were there to comfort me Everyone forsook me, Lord, he stood right by my side. And all those long and sleepless nights, and every tear I cried, Lord, you were there. You were there. You were there to comfort me. You were there to ease my mind. When everyone forsook me, only you stood by my side. And all those long and sleepless nights, and every tear I cried, Lord, you were there. Oh, you were there. Just close your eyes for a moment. If you've been in the house, you've felt God, experienced God, and you feel like you're on a the message spoke to you, and you feel like it was applicable to your life and the song is about he was there he was there from the beginning he was there when you were born he was there when you're in your mother's womb he was there at school he was there in your growing up days raising your family he was there he's a loving God sovereign God he cares for you so much but to appreciate all that he's done for you you need to recognize Jesus Christ as Lord of your life Please explain this to your Thai friends if, they're, if, they're, if, if you can please help them. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you can be saved. Uh, so I'm not talking about getting all religious. and I'm simply saying that if you trust God, confess him and his son Jesus as the Lord of your life, you can walk from this house of God with the sunshine of his love on your shoulder 
you can feel his presence. You're, you're untying the hands of God to lead you, to figure in your life, to allow that eternal mechanism of the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you, to comfort you, to counsel you, to help you. With eyes closed, if that's you, if this is a first time commitment to the Lord, I have a prayer for you. A simple prayer of a confession of the heart. We've all said it. People are saying it all over the earth right now. They believe there's 180,000 people being saved every day. Every day. All over the earth, people are saying this prayer. Maybe this is a recommitment. Maybe in this one minute prayer that you are saying, God, I want all that you have for me. I want my spiritual inheritance. I want my physical inheritance. I'm still, I'm tired of being just the Aussie battler. I need supernatural sovereign help through the favor and the glory of God. Lord, I can put my hand on my heart and say, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. And I want to receive salvation. And Lord, I want to freshly commit my life to you. If that's you, any of those three, or you're just not sure maybe, of your salvation. The, lion, the devil's been lying to you, saying, you're not saved, even though you go to church. The enemy's saying, you're not really saved. Maybe this prayer's for you. So three categories of people. First time salvation, a recommitment to, and third, you're just not quite sure, but you want to make sure through this prayer, from the front to the back, from this side to this side, with eyes closed, just lift your hands on the count of three. One, we're all praying for you to lift your hands and put it down. Two, Three, yeah, I see that hand, I see that hand, yeah. Any others? Quick, put your hand up. This is about this prayer being committed to this prayer. I'll wait a tick. Yeah, we got three people already, if that's you. Just put up your hand, put it down. When I see it, put your hand up, place it down. Whoa, I'm waiting another 15 seconds window of opportunity right now for some just let me see that hand from the front to the back you sir you sir anyone else awesome let's say that prayer together Father God I believe in your son Jesus I believe he came to this earth the sins of mankind to walk a sinless life to die on the cross for my sin to to be raised on the third day to be seated at the right hand of the Father and to be praying for me right now Jesus would you forgive me of all my sin wash me clean set me free come to live in my heart I turn my back on darkness and doubt and fear and I look to the source of life God the Father God the Son and the Holy Spirit lead me on Lord lead me on into my best days Jesus I'm born again I have eternal life. I'm bound for heaven. But in the meantime, would you bless me? Would you bless me and my family, my husband, my wife, 
my children. And the saints say, and the saints say, and the saints say, give them a hand clap. Yeah, let's just want a little bit more. Let's sing, let's sing. Seal it in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.